Can I have a dream about dreaming? How do turtles live so long with such little cardio? All of these questions you can find the answer to on this Paranormal Life! Uh, uh, uh. Hello everyone and welcome to This Paranormal Life, the comedy paranormal podcast where every week we dive into a different tale, case, claim, or beast and come to a conclusion to decide once and for all at the end of the show as to whether or not it is, in fact, paranormal. Some days it's a yes, some days it's a no, most days it's a no, but that doesn't stop us from coming back. We're, we're, we're the little guy in the wrestling ring who's just trying to make it and make his puppy proud, but he can't box. He can't box for shit, and every week he turns up and gets his ass handed to him. Is that going to stop him from coming back next week? Sure, it will. It One should. time he broke his legs, yeah. But he's still going to keep coming back. If I was a doctor and every day I try to save the lives of my patients, if most days they die, but some days I, I just absolute home run, knock it out of the park, save someone's life. Does that make me any less of a doctor if most of my patients die? No, because maybe not entitled, but their their lives are saved are very grateful. And the ones that died, what are they going to do about it? (laughs) (laughs) So you've practiced in the medical profession too, I see, brother. Uh, Uh, No, that was a terrible example. If you're a doctor who's mm. saving a patient shouldn't be what you described as a home run. There's so many rules and protocols and frankly, just names of various drugs to remember. Yeah. It's impossible for one guy, just a regular (laughs) Joe, to keep all that information in his head. So if someone comes in with a problem, it's pretty much just potluck what drug I give them to cure it. Right. You come in with diabetes, I might give you stroke medication. (laughs) If you come in with a bad back, I might give you crystal fentanyl <laughs> to smoke. Well, that's it. If you always prescribe the strongest medicine, <laughs> you're always going to technically be right. So if someone stubs their toe and comes to you and they say, it really hurts, doc, give them some morphine. They definitely won't complain. But that's why Kit and I aren't doctors. We're not therapists. We work in the profession of the paranormal where you don't have to have one of those fancy titles or educations or documents to claim that you're an expert in the field. You actually don't need any liability insurance of any kind because we can't lose our titles because we don't have any. It's true. And when we say we're experts in the field, we mean a literal forest. We're pretty good in that situation, not even in the field of the paranormal. Kit, I've got a great story for us. And as much as I'd love to talk about Uh, our dark past in the medical industry, I think we should just dive into today's case. It does sound sensible. But first, before we dive in, how about a quick word from today's sponsors? And a reminder that every episode of This Paranormal Life is available ad-free on patreon.com forward slash thisparanormallife. Kit, I want you to imagine this. It's a sunny day. You're walking down the street on your way to work. When all of a sudden you get a strange feeling. It's not deja vu, it's something else. Somehow, you remember exactly what's going to happen next. This feels like a chicken or egg situation. How can I remember the future? Somehow you do. A child dropping their ice cream, a blue car racing by, rain appearing out of nowhere. And then all of a sudden, the events start playing out in front of you. The ice cream drop. The blue car. You open your umbrella just in time for the first raindrop to hit the ground. That's when you realize you dreamt this moment last night. Imagine a world in which a dream you had last night foretold the events that are taking place today in this order. Okay, that's trippy. I need to learn how to pronounce this. Deja vu. That's I'm not sorry, what I was hoping. <laughs> That's not what I was hoping. Oh, Deja Reve? Deja Reve. I don't know why he said it like that. <laughs> Say it again. Deja Reve. <laughs> this is supposed Deja to be... Reve. This is supposed to be a pronunciation guy. He doesn't, he doesn't know. <laughs> you went Deja Reve. <laughs> this is a dude who lied on his CV to get this gig and said he could speak French. He was like, yeah, I know it. What's it called? Deja <laughs> 
he he Alright, I I gotta hear this one more time, man. I'm not getting any closer. Deja reve. Deja de, it's deja reve. You have to you just read it. It's deja, deja reve. Deja deja reve. Reve. Like reve the bike. Okay. Sure. Got it. Got it. Welcome to the world of deja reve. Okay. Sorry, sorry, let me do that one more time. Welcome to the world of... Sorry, I got the timing wrong there. Welcome to the world of... It's not seamless, he sounds nothing like you, and you can actually speak better French than that guy. Welcome to the world of déjà rêve, kid. We all know the sensation of déjà vu. That's when you experience the same moment twice. Some people say that it's a glitch in the Matrix, but most people believe that it's sort of more of a brain glitch that happens when two thought streams cross paths. The main difference being, deja vu happens in the moment. The moment that you're experiencing feels like it has happened before. Whereas deja reve, you remember events from a dream before they've even happened. You have to stop using the word remember. It doesn't apply to this situation. It does. You're remembering a dream you had where the events of the dream are taking place now. Stop. Stop. <laughs> I, I can't make this make any more sense. No, we can. Let's break this down a, a little bit further. Okay. You experience something. Yep. It's really not that different to deja vu in some ways. Very different. Something happens. The pronunciation for one is wild. <laughs> <laughs> it's when something happens, which is, you know, you have that sort of sense of deja vu of being like, I've been here before. But yeah. instead of it having happened in waking life, it happened in a dream. Sorry, run that by me one more time. <laughs> run that by me one more time. Okay. All I'm going to say is imagine... Imagine, Don't use the word remember, imagine please. you're walking in the park yes. and a basketball rolls over to your feet. Yeah. And a guy says, hey, bro, can I get that ball back? Mm -hmm. And you're like, do I, do I know that guy? This has happened to me before. Yes. But then you remember uh, it happened it is. in a dream last night. So... As I say, very similar to deja vu. No, but it just happened in a dream instead of in your waking life. No, because 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 motherfucker. All right, this is where it's different. Then I go, what happened next in the dream? Oh, uh, someone was killed in a car crash. Mm. I know the future is about to happen before it happens, so you can essentially change it. Deja vu. You're remembering the moment in the moment. Deja vu. Means you you you're predicting the future before it's even happened. I think I know what you're saying. You know, you're experiencing a moment which has ostensibly never happened before. Yeah. But in that moment, you realize that via the dream world, you know what's happening next. Some yes. part of your some part of your being or your brain knows what's going to happen next. Yeah, it's kind of getting jumbled up with deja vu and all these sensations. But to simplify it, imagine you dreamt the future. Yes. That's it. You may be surprised to know that it is actually very common in young people. One study said that 94% of students at a university reported experiencing the phenomenon of deja rêve in their lifetime. I mean, it gets into you know, what the function of dreams is, is supposed to be. Obviously, they're pretty complicated and mystical. Um, but, you know, some scientists think like, oh, well, we've evolved to have dreams because they allow us to experience a rehearsal every night of life. So if you've got, if you're a caveman and, you know, and then your homie is like, yo, Friday, we're going to hunt a mammoth for the first time. It's going to be crazy. Get some rest. It's going to be a big, long day. The idea being, when you go to bed that night, you're feeling a little nervous. Your brain is like, all right, let's do the dress rehearsal in your sleep. And then, you know, it kind of mentally starts preparing you. And in the dream, the the mammoth swings its tusks and it gores you against a tree. And then whenever you wake up the next morning in a cold sweat, you're like, all right, if it swings at me, I know to duck now. Okay, uh, th no, you're taking this way too far. I, I agreed with the sentiment at the start. <laughs> But now this is Tom Cruise's live, die, repeat. This, this is reliving the same no, simulation no. over and over again. He didn't know to... I'm, I'm not going to get bogged down in the caveman 
narrative, <laughs> but the idea remains that it is preparation for life. So, you know, there is a, a potential uh, logic to this, but where this differs from what maybe we're talking about in the paranormal sense is, even if that scientific explanation is true, your brain can't actually predict exactly what's going to happen. It's it's a simulation. Yeah. It's not predicting the future. It's simply throwing out some ideas. Exactly. Because it doesn't know how anything else is going to react. It's a creation of your own mind. For example, when I had that dream that I wore a new pair of jean shorts to school uh, and then everyone laughed at me and laughed at me and threw me up on stage in front of everyone and kind of point. And there was a spotlight that came down. How did down, they throw you up on stage? And they stage? were all going, jean shorts, jean shorts, because they were really not, I, there must have been a women's cut because they were very high, very high. They were high. daisy jukes. <laughs> they were daisy jukes. I thought that was a brand. <laughs> I thought that was a male fashion brand. I thought that was brand. a skate team from California. <laughs> the daisy jukes, hell yeah, brother. Count me in. I don't wear Levi's. I'm more into Daisy Dukes. <laughs> but that was a creation of my brain. That was a creation of my brain. And and so then when I wore the shorts the next day, it was just so nuts how accurate it was. <laughs> you still wore them? <laughs> I, I did. Even after all the abuse? I, was, I woke up in a cold sweat and said, thank God it was only a dream. Nothing that bad could happen in real life. And then I put on my tiny shorts and went to school. You crying in the principal's office. You're like, I thought they were men. Shorts. You're wearing like knee-high cowboy boots. <laughs> it's going to be one thing for us to just sit and talk about this phenomenon. But what we need to do is hear some stories from people who have experienced this shit firsthand. And that's what we're going to do right now. I found a Reddit thread from a mother who claimed that their child had experienced déjà rêve. And let me tell you. I know the idea of having an, basically your six-year-old being the oracle from the Matrix sounds nice, but apparently it can be kind of terrifying too. The post said, About six weeks ago, my preschooler woke up crying with a specific dream about her former nanny being washed out to sea. <laughs> okay. The mother in the story obviously comforted her daughter and reassured her it was just a dream. The nanny was safe and wouldn't drown in the ocean. However, the mum thought the story was silly enough that she decided to text the nanny about it anyway. Imagine the mother's surprise when a week later, she got a text message about the nanny. Just a few days ago, the nanny had been walking down by the beach alongside the rocks when a huge wave came and knocked her over, dragging her out into the ocean. She ended up losing her backpack, purse, and phone. A phone which if she had checked, would have told her that she was going to get washed out to sea before it even happened. This isn't real. It's very real. <laughs> There's no way that this is, is this is the plot to an M. Night Shyamalan film. We've investigated a lot of stories where uh, children are more in tune with the world of the paranormal and the world of the supernatural than adults are. Is it so absurd to believe that a child could have dreamed the future? We've said it before, they are closer to God. They are closer right. to heaven. That is the idea. They are kind of... Children like, and old people. They, <laughs> they are... They're the closest to God. They're like a freshly little baked loaf of bread. They kind of... They have a memory of the factory. Um, <laughs> so they've only just got here. They, they might have a little bit of a hint of a connection to the other side, to... Uh, the place beyond the veil where paranormal investigators like us are desperate to communicate with, yeah. they've been there quite recently. It's like when you go to university. In the first couple of weeks, daddy's checking in. Mommy's calling to see how things are going. Right. Is everything okay? Are you making friends? Did you get the gift basket? Do you want us to send us any extra cash? Two, three years into university, they've forgotten you exist. <laughs> Well, I don't know. Mommy and daddy aren't calling anymore. They should be. They should hopefully become an <laughs> You graduation. haven't heard from them in years. You go home for the Christmas holidays and they moved. They moved while you were studying. I don't know if that's a universal experience, but we'll run with the analogy for now. You're saying that, uh, that God abandons the children <laughs> after a certain point. He just keeps an eye on them till they're old enough to sin. Yeah. And then he kind of, he's like, all right, you're going to do that for a while. I'll see you back here when you have no teeth and you're shitting yourself again. 
You are bang on, though. Uh, kids, they are closer to the veil of the paranormal. They might be able to see through and communicate uh, truths from the other side. Now, my 21-month-old, she's almost two years old. Yeah. Um, now she's at that beautiful phase now where clearly she's still close to the to the other side, but she's now got enough words that she can now string together basic sentences. Right. Um, Mortal terms. You know, mostly it's just ice, 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 which I think is just ice cream. I think she ate ice cream once and now she's obsessed. Who isn't? It, is that the name of an angel or some <laughs> right. kind of being? I don't know. A sentence she's been repeating nonstop this week is, Oh no, me table. Oh no, me table. Oh no, me cubby. Oh no, me cubby. I don't know what is nonsense and I don't know what is deep paranormal knowledge. Wouldn't it be great if uh, when we die and get to the pearly gates, you see your first angel and you're like, oh my, it's so, I'm honored to be here. This is such a joy to finally reach heaven in the afterlife. And the angel's like, Goo goo gaga, goo goo goo, and you're like, oh, that's why babies talk like babies. Babies get to Earth and they're they're like, uh, thank you, Jesus, for teaching me how to speak. And then they get here and they're like, what? Are, why are these guys talking weird? <laughs> they speak baby in heaven. You know, you couldn't tell it, but in all those uh, in all those New Testament depictions of Jesus and the disciples, they were all rocking nappies under those robes. <laughs> they really were. Uh, look, hey, I get your skepticism of this post. Uh, I will say that, you know, the, the woman who wrote this, the individual, did follow up a number of times. Okay. And uh, included some details about herself that did also make me a little bit skeptical. Some of the things she wrote alongside this story were, I can sense things too if I try and I'm drunk. <laughs> okay. She said, uh, I have a spidey sense for assholes and scammers. <laughs> And that sometimes a psychic friend asks me to see for her. Oh, interesting. So I guess she's implying maybe the reason my child is having these experiences is because I think that I'm also kind of attuned to the supernatural world. Got you, got you. Uh, Yes, a kind of X-Men genetic ability. Yeah. But kid, it doesn't matter if we believe this woman or not because in a way we do know that Deja Reve is real. Now, you could argue that it could simply be your brain tricking you, but some people claim that they have dreams so specific that it's basically a one-to-one prediction of the future. Mm. There are people all over the world who tell stories of visiting places in the real world that they swear they've visited in a dream before. They've met people that they claim they've already met in their dreams, and maybe most paranormal, dreaming of disasters before they even happen. I was going to bring this up. Isn't this the premise of the Final Destination franchise? Yes, if you uh, ignore the dream aspect. Okay. It's the Final Destination movies are essentially someone has a vision of a disaster taking place. Okay, okay. Seconds before it happens, they prevent it. That's right. And then death is trying to catch up with them and kind of fix things. Good movies, great I was going to say, yeah, a bit too gory for me, but a good premise nonetheless. I think the disaster one is particularly kind of terrifying because what do you do if you have a dream where, I don't know, a f***ing sea world explodes yeah. and there are shrimp and fish flying through the sky? That's a pretty abstract dream. But the next morning you're like, that happened. That was real. That's going to happen in this world. Do you have to like fly to Florida where the SeaWorld is and try and convince them not to proceed with Friday night's big fireworks show? I I don't know. Maybe you don't know until the disaster takes place. Well, the most famous case of someone dreaming about a disaster before it happens is actually one that we've talked about on this podcast before, kid. And that is the fact that US President Abraham Lincoln himself dreamt of his own assassination weeks before it happened. This is true. This has come up on the podcast before. For those of you who don't know, according to Lincoln's bodyguard and lifelong friend, Ward Hill Lamont, just a few days before his assassination, Lincoln shared a recent dream that he had experienced. In his dream, he was walking through the east wing of the White House 
when he discovered a group of soldiers and mourners standing in a circle, guarding over a corpse on the floor. When Lincoln asked one of the soldiers who had died, he simply replied, It's the president. He was killed by an assassin. Which is already very specific. I mean, if it had just been he saw himself on the floor, that would be one thing. But this f***ing dream security guard is basically like, don't go to the theater. <laughs> well, I wouldn't go that far. He's basically, the president was killed by an assassin. That is, that's a lot of detail, you know? <laughs> Abraham turned to a guard and said, whose funeral is this? The guard turned around. It was Morpheus. <laughs> All I'm saying is, if in my dream, you had grabbed me by the shoulders and said, don't wear the jean shorts, I might not have worn the jean shorts. It, it, it is true. It's a, it's a famous tale and it's a pretty convincing one. Now, fair enough, assassination is probably top of mind when you're a guy like Lincoln. Sure. Uh, you know, so it's not outside the realms of possibility that this strays into coincidence, uh, but it's, it's certainly a very high profile, successful premonition by dream. Yeah, to be that specific is pretty incredible. And I mean, I should note, this wasn't even the only kind of premonition dream that he had. Uh, members of his cabinet also recalled that on the morning of his assassination, the president had also told them about a dream that he'd had where he was sailing across an unknown body of water at great speed. A dream that he claimed he had every night before a, quote, important event in the war. Yes, I seem to remember we talked about this in a previous episode we were, where we were talking about the L Lincoln and the ghost train. Yeah. Uh, where the paranormal shenanigans did not end uh, after his assassination. It didn't. I, I, think, I think the story goes that if you go down to the tracks where the uh, Lincoln funeral procession by train happened, uh, I think Lincoln is borderline hanging out of a ghost steam train. <laughs> Waving an American flag to this day, every yeah. night. The thing is, he was a guy who had a lot on. He didn't really have time for fun or shenanigans. He had a lot of important shit to do. So uh, I assume after he was killed, that was his kind of time to just have a ball. I mean, I don't know if it's going to come up, but on the topic of kind of famous or influential characters throughout history, there's not only people, Rory, who have predicted the events of the future through a dream or a vision but there's also countless people who have seen visions or had dreams in which they have uh, breakthrough scientific discoveries or intuit knowledge that would seemingly be impossible to obtain in in the dreamland um, but then it just comes to them and then they solve it then uh, in the waking world isn't that crazy i feel like i get it sometimes where i'll be having a dream where I've like written a great song and I'll try and like wake up and remember the melody. But it's like, it's like <laughs> trying to hold on to mist. It just evaporates in front of you like, Ow! It's, it's, a, it's like those videos of raccoons trying to wash uh, cotton candy, <laughs> wash candy floss in a puddle. <laughs> and they're like, where'd it go? Yeah, like in your head, it's like a number one <laughs> Billboard 100 chain smokers level single. But you're just, you're trying to like grasp it like. Yeah. I swear it was better in the dream. <laughs> I mean, this is where the joke came from on this podcast about me uh, dreaming constantly about Lizzie McGuire as a child, which was, you know, at a time in my life where I was very young, I used to love watching Lizzie McGuire and the Lizzie McGuire movie, famously starring Hilary Duff. And, uh, at one point, I must have been like 13, 14 years old. And uh, I used to I used to dream that I was hanging out with Lizzie McGuire to the point where one dream, <laughs> one dream, she decided in the dream to give me her phone number. And then <laughs> this is so, so funny. So she she started telling me the number and I realized in the dream I don't have a pen and paper. So I woke up in bed, <laughs> ran to my desk and I'm like the numbers are like fading in the distance and I'm like 074 fuck fuck and I'm like pounding the desk like I almost had it tears in your eyes. <laughs> like 
I was making up the number. My brain was making up the number. Even if she'd given it to me, it wouldn't have been right. I was going to say... <laughs> An American girl's phone number doesn't start with 074. <laughs> least start of all, with a Northern Irish postcode. <laughs> least of all, a, a fictional girl in America. A fictional girl in a dream. <laughs> it's two levels of not being real. So I understand. I, I, I understand more than anyone uh, how these dreams can feel real, but uh, you have to... Come to the conclusion years later through many, many therapy sessions that uh, it wasn't real. This is not exactly a scientific list, but I've just Googled what are the major scientific discoveries made via dreams. And this website is extremely unreliable, but it is claiming that as many things as Einstein's theory of relativity may have been inspired via dream. The structure of the atom as discovered by Niels Bohr, uh, the Danish physicist. Allegedly, Larry Page founding Google. What? Uh, this one, I think, is is really true, is uh, Mendeleev's periodic table, the periodic table of elements that came to them in a dream. A little insulted that I'm not on the list, because as you know, I also dreamed up that idea about a hot dog where the hot dogs are on the outside and there's a sliver of bread in between the two of them. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned that before in the yeah. show, yeah. And it's uh, like, I know that the other shit was important, but... The dog hot is also important. Just have the have, opposite you, have you ever tried making it? It sounds like it will be... I think the point... Of, How do you I, think I got I don't these get scars? Into <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> my hands are burned to a crisp. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure the bread the protects are you hot. from the hot oil. That's right. Did you know the hot part of a hot dog isn't the bun? <laughs> your, your hands are covered in mustard as well. It's the dog. Because all the sauce is on the outside. They're boiling. It's it's insane. Um, just you know, lots of people think up of cool ideas, and the dog hot is one of mine. And I'm not here to argue that it has a place among these inventions. Was it maybe more creative in a way? I just don't think it's on the list because it wasn't Nobel Prize winning or a billion dollar startup, <laughs> and it wasn't made of a thing someone else already invented. <laughs> yeah. It's just just a a nonsensical opposite of what someone else already made. Of course, Kit, along with scientific explanations, there's a huge amount of paranormal explanations for déjà rêve. It could be caused by experiences or events from past lives or alternate realities, which are somehow bleeding into our reality. But by far the most interesting person I came across in the world of déjà rêve is a painter by the name of David Mandel, also known as the man who paints the future. This story is crazy. If you thought some of the instances that we've heard before, presidents dreaming of assassination, mothers dreaming of drowning nannies, you thought that was crazy, you're not gonna believe what we have coming up right after the break. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Kit, when we bottle up our emotions, it can start to affect us negatively. Sometimes it's important that we get stuff off our chest. Tell me about it. I found a UFO in the forest and now this thing is attached to my chest. Jesus, that's an alien. Mm -hmm. All right, I was speaking metaphorically about dealing with emotions and talking about our feelings by using services like BetterHelp. I don't need to talk about my feelings. This thing can read my mind. Therapy can be a great way to set boundaries and become the best version of yourself. With BetterHelp, you can get matched with a licensed 
licensed therapist that suits your needs. It's online, convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You're saying they can get things off my chest, like uh, Zonktar here? Don't give it a name. Maybe me and Zonktar can sign up for BetterHelp together. Give it a shot, and whatever it is, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Paranormal Life today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Paranormal Life. David Mandel, also known as the man who paints the future, has been having precognitive dreams since childhood, and in 1997, he decided to start painting what he dreamed and timestamping it so people would know that it took place before the event unfolded. Why does he paint it at all? <laughs> just, just sorry, but not to be facetious this early on in sure. his tale, but if you're alleging right now that he's predicting the future, yeah, a la Nostradamus, mm -hmm. just tell somebody. Just, just, just tell. Nobody cares, we dude. Do. No one cares. We care. <laughs> Everyone cares. If we can avert crises, yeah. we can stop disasters happening. If we can, if we could stop uh, crimes being committed before they're committed. Okay, I kind of see what you're talking about. That would make a lot of sense because <laughs> he, he's just painting frescoes of like old ladies getting hit by fucking cars. He's like, bro, <laughs> help the old lady. Tell her. <laughs> don't, don't let her get hit. I mean, I, I'm going to side with you on, on this one because his most famous claim is that he dreamt about and then painted 9-11 before it happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought that might be where we were going. And I think that would have been good to give people a heads up. But look, let's just hear from the man himself. A retired university art teacher, David Mandel is today renowned for his paintings of precognitive dreams. Sorry to stop right now. We've heard this voice before. That's the, that's the narrator who does, who does like all of these. I think he did the Metal Cauldrons documentary. <laughs> it's the same voice. Most people, if they have a dream, they, they have to write it down in notes. As an artist, I was able to very quickly um, put some quite accurate imagery down in colour as well of what I was seeing. Dreams, if they're about a major event or something like that, um, they're usually more vivid. They're nearly always in colour. They've got um, a sort of sharpness, like jagged edges sort of thing. Symbols are very important in dreams. If I dream now of a World War II uh, British fighter, the hurricane, uh, I know there's going to be a terrible wind or hurricane. I'm given the symbol of a hurricane. It's happened about eight times, and it's come right every single time. The 1987 hurricane happened like that. I saw 16 of these uh, World War II British Hurricane fighters in four diamond formations, uh, four to a diamond. The number 16 just kept cropping up over and over again. It was 16 days later that the, the hurricane came. When you get things like that, I know it's a premonition dream of the future. If you're going to tell people that you've had this dream and, you, uh, and you've got just people signing the backs of the drawings, they're not going to believe that. They'll say you just got them to do it after the event or something like this. And the bank photograph idea really fitted in very, very well with that because there was absolutely no doubt. Nothing could be altered on the date display on the bank. And that would verify the fact that, um, you know, I was telling the truth, um, something was going on here. The quickest one that's ever happened was the Watford train crash. I had the dream, I took the painting I made of it to the bank on the same day. I think the photograph was taken about uh, 4.40, just before they close. The train crashed at Watford 18 minutes later. What had happened is uh, a train had come alongside another train and had hit the back of it, and the carriages went right up on top of the carriage of the train it hit, so it was sort of perched in the air above the other carriage. There must have been people boarding this doomed train while I was having the, the bank photograph taken. Wow, what are your thoughts, Kit? I mean, in that short clip, we saw some of the paintings he had done, and Kit is already smiling, which is worrying me slightly, as he looks down at the pictures and the paintings that have been done by this individual. This man performed macaroni art. <laughs> you know, these are... And claimed... <laughs> these are detailed depictions of dreams. Detailed is a... There's about 35... He's he's pa Watercolor f***ing paints. About 35 different colours and smudges. It's a complete mess. I can't tell what's going on. And then, and then after the fact, he's claiming that this is a train crash. You're right, this thing is a train wreck. 
That, yeah, th- this evidence is a fucking train wreck. I mean, they've done a cool, a few cool things uh, in this in this interview where they've put them like side by side, the paintings that he did, and you know, scenes from the crash. I mean, the bottom painting that you can kind of see there's like the sh- there's there's railroad tracks there's fire it looks like an explosion i mean i don't think he's going leaps and bounds to draw parallels between these two pictures maybe saying you saw hurricane bombers and then a hurricane happened <laughs> is a bit of a leap but then he said that happened eight times in a row which is kind of crazy yes i mean this is the most literal one it is a, it is look it is clearly a painting of a train. There's people. Sta- there's passers-by. They're pointing to an accident. There's flames, you know, and devastation in his painting, and it, it did correlate with an event. An event. I mean, you know, I don't know where he is in the UK, but fair enough. It, it, it's in the same country. I don't know how far away this is. I think right now he's currently in some sort of high security prison. <laughs> Because anything he paints seems to come true. He's he's in a Montauk sort of CIA <laughs> research facility. I mean, there's, there's a lot of interesting questions raised here. I mean, it's crazy to think that this has been going on so long for David that even as a child, people were warned to stay away from him. <laughs> and they kind of drew the wrong lessons from it, which were basically saying... Why did you do this, David? Why did you make it happen? And he's like, I'm just having the dreams. Like, it, it seems like he's in, it seems to be in a situation where, I don't know, maybe if he didn't even paint it, it would still happen, but he might not remember it. I mean, using art to, you know, process his information and these premonitions is a common thing. When you, the other day, found my sketchbook that I keep here in the office, and it was filled with all those drawings of let's say what it was cat girls yeah i wasn't gonna bring it up it was cat girls uh that i i think that's gonna happen that's why i wanted to capture it on so many pages and in so many poses i really think the future i think it's coming so you're not good at drawing i thought most of them were just cats i didn't know if it was a relief or more worrying when you explained to me and pointed out and i could eventually see it that they were cat girls all the drawings in that book they're premonitions so all the weird shit the sonic the hedgehog fan art that i drew yeah i don't know i don't know if that qualifies as fan art that that comic book that i wrote called power man that was just predicting the future so it wasn't like i didn't think it was going to become anything Power Man, the graphic novel that I wrote, I didn't think it was going to become. I didn't think it, I don't. I didn't actually think that it was, you know, maybe going to get spread around a little bit and become like kind of an indie thing and get uh, get a bit of traction and then maybe get o- optioned for, you know, a Netflix or Amazon Prime series. And then I guess would it be crazy for the creator to play Power Man in the movie? Or the yeah, show that or wouldn't happen so. because Power Man was terrible. I flicked through it. When I was waiting for you to set up the cameras the other day. Yeah. His only ability is that he is double the bladder size of a normal human. He has a lot of other abilities. That's just the one he likes to talk about a lot. Because it is one of the more impressive ones. Is that he can like... I guess it's like vaguely useful in life. But like I feel like some people probably just have that ability anyway. He could just... You know, we're talking about... We're talking about not peeing for hours. We're talking about the ability to... But it's like... (laughs) It's a long but time. It doesn't, how can he like help people with that? Do you know what I mean? Like it doesn't make it. He's not. It's not Superman level, is it? Super strength. Level. Yeah, it's kind of like if 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 you know a train had gone off the tracks and he was holding it together, he can't. He wouldn't be able to. He's no. really weak. I, um, but if he could, a hero who had to hold it in place for a long time would have to eventually let go to go take a leak. And all the stuff. That was ripped Power Man. straight out of Popeye, you know, with him, like, he, you know, he gets his strength from, like, eating dog hots. But it's like, <laughs> you don't explain at any point in the novel what a dog hot is. We're kind of left to the imagine, like, you can, the drawings are not good enough to interpret either. I don't want to baby the reader. I just think, you know, let, they'll they'll pick it up as they go along, you know. I didn't explain what cat girls were, and people seem to pick that up pretty fast. <laughs> You know, it pains me to say this, but I think you actually might make some money at least drawing cat girls. <laughs> so I think, you give, I think you should give up Power Man and stick with that. <laughs> All right, kid, I think we're getting a little off topic. 
I have one more example of an individual experiencing this deja reve, and I've saved the most convincing for last. If you guys listening at home weren't won over yet, get ready to hear about a little lady named Barbara Gardwell. Ever since she was a child, she has dreamed of disasters and assassinations before they've happened. And on one occasion, the dream was so vivid and clear that she actually called a psychiatrist named Dr. Keith Hearn to warn him that someone was about to assassinate the Pope. Whoa! Since her youth, Barbara Garwell has dreamt of disasters and assassinations before they actually happened. She only rang me once to tell me about a premonition. I still remember her voice now saying, sorry to bother you, Dr. Hearn, but I've had this waking premonition of an attack, something to do with the Pope. I saw the Pope, as I described it as a citadel. It looked like an old castle. And I saw the Pope walk under the canopy on the green field, a multitude of people, masses and masses. And somewhere at the front, there was a man and at the end of his hand, he held a dagger. And as the Pope turned around and walked by this guy, he lunged at the Pope with the dagger. A, a security man retrieved his hand, and the Pope fell. And three days later, a man lunged at the Pope at the Fatima Shrine in Portugal with a bayonet. And when I looked at the footage, it was exactly in detail as I had seen on the Sunday. Now, no way is that coincidence. And no way did I make that up. Wow, another crazy example, Kit, of someone who claims to be experiencing déjà rêve. That one was slightly more interesting, I suppose, or from a different angle, because they teamed up with a psychologist and they were crucially reporting their premonitions to the psychologist so that it was kind of on record. Yeah. Uh, and so they could corroborate that the amount of time before the actual events took place. Because that, that's something I'm struggling with a little bit is sometimes with this stuff, it feels like it feels like we're listening to someone say, I saw something happen in the news and yeah, I dreamt that. I dreamt that the other night. Right. I dreamt that the other night. It happened the exact same way in my dream. That's crazy. Yeah, I told my wife. Yeah, I told... Sandra, didn't I? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. But at least in this case, she told this guy and he's like, yeah, that's kind of crazy. And it's kind of always three days. Yeah, hers is really interesting because as you said, she's getting someone involved in the situation, uh, a psychiatrist named Dr. Keith Hearn who appears to, from the video we watched, to have even written um, you know, right. some either books or literature on this subject of premonitions, which is a great idea. And I think that's, you know, that's kind of what David Mandel is doing. His paintings were just a way for if anyone questioned him that he could say, well, look, this happened. This is before it. I can prove to you that this did happen. And that must be something that happens a lot with people who claim that they've had this experience before is people going you didn't show how do you prove it how do you prove you had this dream if you don't write it down take a picture of it paint it or tell a psychiatrist about it and warn the pope he's about to get bonked on the head well rory i don't want to i want to drop a bombshell on this podcast a game-breaking mind-boggling bombshell but we're recording this at a strange time. A strange time indeed, because we shouldn't even be recording this right now, because we were supposed to record last week, and we had to move the whole thing. So, uh, yeah, even the timing of this is weird, but last night, I had a dream. I'm not even a dreamer. You know, some people have very vivid dreams every night. I'm not one of them. Mm. I'll have the occasional, like, whatever, kind of fuzzy memory of a little thing that might have happened, but... Yeah. Last night, though, it was as clear as day. I can picture it even now. Wow. Um, and this was last night? Maybe I'll tell you it, and then you can decide whether you think this is a premonition or not. Okay. Could be a potential case of déjà rêve. Okay, I hope you know that I'm going to decide whether it's a premonition on how good or bad the dream was. <laughs> if, it, if it's a dream where a donkey kicks me in the side of the head while I'm in a field... <laughs> 
it, it, it's not a premonition. But if it's a dream where for some reason somehow I die in some sort of blowjob avalanche, <laughs> then it's a double yes this week. It's a, that's a certified, that's a certified premonition. <laughs> Girls with whiskers. <laughs> premonition. <laughs> Give me my pen. I have to draw. <laughs> I must. It's like you have a boner. You have a boner right now. Uh, unlike many of these other premonitions we've heard about today, this one has a very finite date. I can tell you the day, nay the time, that this will come to pass if it comes to pass. Oh, God, no. That's because this dream was us on stage on the first night of our upcoming US tour. And this isn't some kind... I'm not telling you the story. It's some kind of crowbarred in tour promo. This is really... I had this dream last night. That's that, crazy. And where would people get tickets for this tour, though? <laughs> right, well, where would they get them? Seeing as you're asking, yeah, like, this paranormallife.com. Sure. And is it the, just LA? Is no, it just LA? It's actually eight more cities. Wow. Across the US Tell us the UK. cities, Kit. Yeah. And this is real, not a dream. (laughs) This isn't the premonition. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, A bunch of other cities, San Francisco, uh, Chicago, Boston, Manchester, uh, and then a bunch of other ones, but the dream, sorry, the dream. Uh, Tickets on this paranormallife.com forward slash tour. Yeah. The first night of our tour is Los Angeles. And I don't know what about this dream told me that it was Los Angeles, but I felt intuitively that it was the first night of the tour, that it was, you know, because let's face it, any touring show, you're working out some of the kinks, the production, the whatever, yeah. on the first night. Those first night nerves, it's normal. And, you know, crucially, m- me and you, Roy, we don't know if the shit that we're going to say up there is going to land. Is it going to be funny? Oh, God, Is no. the audience going <laughs> going to <laughs> laugh? The dream was basically us coming out to 500 frowning faces in Los Angeles, <laughs> completely dead silent. We're giving it every bit of energy that we think we need. How are we doing tonight, Los Angeles? Nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. And then you know how like on stage, a half second silence feels like 10 years. Oh my God. Suddenly yeah. we're crumbling. We're crumbling under the pressure. I'm looking at you. You're looking at me. We've lost track of who's supposed to talk next. Oh, it's like, uh, who's heard the podcast before? <laughs> to make matters worse, for some reason, there's a. We're st- in jorts. There's a. St- <laughs> <laughs> we're in Daisy Dukes, cowboy boots. And one of those little tops where it's tied like a bow. <laughs> it's a hurricane outside. What? So the entire time, entire time, entire time we're on stage and the audience is silent. Outside it's just... <laughs> <laughs> the wind. Right, door is just flapping. <laughs> the wind is... I'm, I'm shouting back to the sound guy. I'm like, can we do something about this wind noise? It is... I can't hear myself think. Oh my god. The wind howling. I'm like trying to keep the 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 start of the night energy going. I'm like I got to do something. I jump down off the stage to do a little like, you know, running high five across the front of the stage. No one holds up their hand. Wind howling again, rain beating down. The fact you think this is the right time to do a high five chain. <laughs> <laughs> That'll get everyone going. <laughs> a bunch of high fives from an unresponsive crowd. And then you know the way you just kind of wake up just at the peak oh, of God. the absurdity of the dream. I'm just on stage, just, yeah, basically just like shouting to the back of the, the hall, like, Are these walls made of paper? <laughs> where, where, why is the wind so loud? <laughs> Uh, and then just about then, I woke up. Um, Good God. So there's a lot of time for us to work on the material the first couple of minutes of the show to ensure that that kind of stony, even the stoniest Los Angeles crowd, right. their ice will be melted by our charm and our wit and our humor. I might have to contact the Vermont uh, in East LA and just make sure, just ask about the soundproofing, see if what the weather forecast Any is weather looking like. See, yeah. see what it sounds like on stage. I'm a little bit worried. Um, I don't know. Do you think that's a premonition? I hope not. My God. I mean, the only thing that's kind of funny about it is that 
Uh, I think this dream was also partially drawing on a real life event that happened to us in the past, which was, uh, for those who don't know, Kit and I also make music together. And uh, very early on in our music career, we were playing a showcase night in Belfast. That w- th- oh my God. That had to have been a dream oh my God. because it was a nightmare. <laughs> like the amount of shit that went wrong. It, it, it was on this levels of preposterous. It might have been... If it wasn't our first gig ever, it, it was our second. <laughs> it, it was, was our one last. Of the two. Yeah. If it wasn't our first, it was definitely the last. The day of the gig, there was a once-in-a-generation blizzard <laughs> that rolled into Belfast. Unheard of. Essentially, like, people were snowed into their homes. It was so insane. And we were already you know, scrambling for numbers at the door. We were like pulling in favors to get friends in for this thing. It, it, it was going to be a small right, crowd It was anyway. already going to be empty. In some ways, the storm saved our reputation because we got to blame the lack of a- attendance and on the weather. I think things got progressively worse when the news had to make a public statement saying, stay home. Do not leave your homes. It is dangerous out there. Rolling blackouts. Rolling yes. blackouts. Yeah, that uh, decided to not happen until, I believe, seven minutes before we went on stage. <laughs> every light <laughs> in the venue, every piece of equipment, <laughs> dead, in pitch black inside the venue. It literally like the start to a horror movie, like all these strangers locked in a room in the middle of winter and there is now no power. Somehow a hurricane outdoors, and I mentioned this venue has paper walls. <laughs> I, I will never forget that night. I remember we had to leave for some reason. Maybe we had to go get something, some equipment or some person, and come back to the venue. I, I've never seen anything like this before or since. Where normally, if there's like a blackout, it affects like houses, businesses, lights go off, things like that. No, no, no. This was street lights. There were no traffic lights anymore there was no yeah. there was no energy in the city it was crazy so we're, we're cruising along ice roads at five miles per hour to try and get back to the venue god knows why the gig hasn't been cancelled at this point and i get to the venue and it's the closest i've ever seen to a zombie apocalypse where <laughs> because the traffic lights aren't working anymore outside the venue a car has been totaled into a lamppost <laughs> And abandoned right. because the person inside didn't want to freeze to death. This is the last of us. Seriously. We've walked into an abandoned city in the last of us. If we can make it, and we did make it through that, you know, we made it through that and it was fine. So even if this is a premonition, hopefully not of uh, what's to come in Los Angeles, uh, please, listeners who are in LA and the surrounding cities and states, come to the show. It's going to be amazing. Uh, and if we do bomb that hard, you don't want to miss it. <laughs> It's I'm gonna do that high five chain. I really am gonna train, do yeah. that. Start the tour off right. Let's can we, go. Can we start the tour like backstage with like hurricane sound effects <laughs> and stuff? That would be really, really funny. All right, look, you know, at the end of every episode, we have to come down on a conclusion as to whether or not we think the thing that we're talking about really is paranormal. And I gotta say, this may be a first ever on the podcast where. The opposing investigator, by the end, was bringing evidence to the case. <laughs> well, I don't know if I'm going to go as far as evidence. I'm I'd postulating. Say, I'd say an you idea. know, it was pretty, pretty convincing. It was pretty convincing stuff. So I guess, uh, I guess it hasn't happened yet. I'm going to be convincing. <laughs> I had a dream, <laughs> a pretty standard issue anxiety dream. I think, uh, yeah, we won't be able to use Kit's evidence until the, the date. And unfortunately, we do have to decide right now. So what are your thoughts today, Kit? Uh, you think you're going to come down on a yes or are we coming down on a no? I'm utterly torn because, uh, you know, I've read a Carlo Rovelli book or two about how time isn't real. Sure. Now, I'm not a physicist, so I barely understood the, even the introduction to his book about time but I'm pretty sure he knows a lot about time and he talks a lot about how time isn't real. Guys who study time notoriously think time isn't real. Yeah. That's like their whole thing. And you know they're telling the truth because they're basically destroying their own profession. (laughs) Right, right. This is like a baker saying bread isn't real. (laughs) Yeah. This is insane. (laughs) This is the last thing he should be doing. (laughs) Bread isn't real. (laughs) 
<laughs> just going into a bakery. Yeah, I'll take I'll take a loaf of sourdough and uh, and two croissants. He's like, uh, great. That's gonna be five pounds twenty. And you know it isn't real, right? <laughs> what? And your total comes to nothing. <laughs> uh, but that's how physicists uh, talk. The point being that I don't know what's going on with time. So if we're saying that this whole phenomenon centers around time happening out of order, well, I don't think any physicist would agree with me, but maybe there's something there. Maybe that's maybe it's not completely outside of the fine confines of the universe right that uh you know worm some kind of wormhole opens up and uh the events of tomorrow happen today i don't know but it feels pseudoscientific in a fun way but on the flip side i do struggle with premonitions premonitions have come up all the time in this paranormal life we've covered them many many times from abraham lincoln to the Aberfan disaster and many many others where i struggle is with the vagueness uh, you know, even Nostradamus himself, he's famous for his premonitions. He published over 6,000 premonitions. Right. More than a couple of those didn't come true. That's painting with a broad stroke. It really is. You know, and if you're having a dream about a hurricane, if we're saying, like I said earlier, if a hurricane can happen anywhere on Earth to prove your premonition true, well, that is, you're casting a pretty wide net. Yeah, I, I, I understand what you mean. I think I'm having the same kind of struggles. And the hard thing is, is, you know, you might say to me, look, Rory, if you had experienced this, the feeling you would have in your body, you would understand it to be something otherworldly. You would know. It's not just a coincidence that you had this dream and the event mm. took place. You can feel it. But the counterpoint to that is, I'd say even more than Deja Reve, humans have experienced deja vu i've experienced you've experienced it and that is a phenomenon that has that same sensation that in the moment this feels supernatural and otherworldly it feels like a glitch in the matrix that yeah time is like like a record skipping a beat or or uh, some sort of strange overlap but i wouldn't go on record and say that i think that that is paranormal or supernatural um, so it might be a leap to say that this, you know, this sister of it, Deja Reve, is also paranormal. I think because of that, even though we've heard some fantastic examples today uh, in the episode, I think it's going to be a no from me today. I can only work with the evidence I've got with the specific examples. And I think based on that, it's a no today. Wow, a double no, but a great story. I thought this one was super interesting. And if it's true that so many people, uh, as cited in these statistics, have experienced this in their lifetime, I want to know, listeners at home listening to this right now, have you ever experienced this? Have you ever had a dream that that was a premonition of events yet to come? Let us know. You can email us at thisparanormallifepodcast at gmail.com. And you can also submit any paranormal stories or cases or beasts that you would like us to investigate in future episodes, whether those are stories that have happened to you personally or just some really interesting ones you've heard about online and want us to dive into ourselves. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. We hope you guys really enjoyed it. As we said, Kit's dream, parts of it might not come true, but there is at least one part that is coming true. And that is the fact that on Friday, October 6th, we're going to be at Los Angeles performing live at the Vermont. Wooey. And that is only the start of our US slash UK tour. We're going to be in San Francisco, Chicago, New York, Somerville, then Belfast, Manchester, Glasgow, and London. Some of these shows are getting super low on tickets. I think specifically Chicago is getting really low. Chicago is almost gone. Uh, I know that some people are thinking of traveling to that one because, you know, we're sadly missing out um, a number of states this time. So if you want Chicago tickets, you have to move now. The others are moving too, but that one is very close to sell out. So head on over to thisparanormallife.com to get your tickets i should say you know what we we say you know you need to grab tickets in case they sell out um this is not based on nothing uh, i'm looking at it in our studio i'm looking at a poster for last year's uk tour uh right now and uh it was uh, completely sold out 
Yes. Uh, so, you know, some sold out earlier, some sold out later. But uh, when push came to shove, there were no more tickets on the door. So you're going to want to check those out. Yeah, we had people who I think had kind of waited till the last minute or thought they could maybe turn up and attend. And unfortunately, with those uh, venue sizes last year, that wasn't a possibility. So yeah, so nice try, mom and dad. But, uh, you know, (laughs) you need to believe your little baby boy next time, huh? You know, and it could be said that I was cruel and withholding a kind of guest list, which was reserved for friends and family. Uh, that we could give out, but... Yeah, we had tons of open slots. Yeah, no. Because my mom said no, straight up. Really? So, yeah, she didn't want to come, It was, which was fine, because... No, oh, that's actually darker than what I said. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because your parents wanted to come, but you forbode them. Well, I didn't forbid them. They just didn't believe in their baby boy enough to actually, you know, drop some moolah on the old ticketmaster.co.uk link. Yeah, again, we had tons of friends. We had a whole front row that was vacant. I needed them to cough up. I really did. I needed them to put their money where their mouth was. You're like, I've been providing you with the joy of having a child for years, and it's time you start giving back. (laughs) Sure, you fed and watered me for a couple months, but... uh... A couple months? They're like, it was 14 years. Yeah, as we said, head on over to thisparanormallife.com or thisparanormallife.com forward slash tour. Whatever you want to do. We're posting the links on socials as well. We can't wait to see you guys there. We're going to be selling uh, some cool merch as well. Exclusive tour merch. Uh, keep your ears peeled also for uh, hopefully hopefully some audio from last year's tour to give you a sneak peek. That's a great idea. What might be coming. Yeah, we're, we're really excited. We're so excited. October is going to be fantastic. September is going to be fantastic. And of course, you know, next Tuesday is going to be fantastic because we'll be back with a brand new episode of This Paranormal Life. <laughs> Let's get into some shout outs. Uh, yes, uh, but before we go, <laughs> before we go, of course, this is what the energy was for. Is reaching the bit at the end where we <laughs> shout out patrons at the end of the podcast. So, That's why I was yeah. getting so excited. Patreon.com is the place to get <laughs> yes, bonus shit, content for so this part of a life. So many bonus episodes there was so much more to talk available. About. Those guys got pre-sale access to the tour as well. And at the end of every episode, we shout those MFers out. At the end of yeah. this paranormal life. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> So, thank you very much to Will. People always say where there's a will, there's a way. But with this will, where there's a will, there's a payday. (laughs) Right. Because I don't know how he did this, but he dropped a mill. Are you serious? He gave us a million (laughs) dollars. My voice changes. Are you f***ing serious right now? (laughs) Sorry, stop the podcast. Stop the podcast. We're done. Yeah. I don't know how he did that. I think, hopefully that's not money laundering or something, but Will just... Paid the bill. Wow, Will, I didn't think you had the gumption or the gonads, but I guess you actually pulled through, Be nice, through, be kind boy. to him. Don't, don't I say. didn't think you had the fucking manhood. Don't be mean. To be I able to pull through and actually send us something. Withdrawn. Huh? Withdrawn. He heard this somehow and it's I gone I knew now. you were a coward, Will. I knew it. This is, this is why I rag on you, Will. I just knew it. Thank you, Will. Uh, thank you also to Yoda. Kit, you were a little disappointed at the Belfast live show last year when Yoda didn't show up. No, he, well, he tried to show up. He tried. Oh, right. Just he wasn't at the show and I tried to give them free tickets. So I assumed they didn't come. I but put, I keep forgetting that you basically locked them out. He was on guest list, yes. But then when I found out on the night he was on guest list, I furiously acted out, told the security to actually ban anyone called that because if they didn't have the gumption to pay for a full price ticket, even a comp ticket, I didn't want them at the show. You told the security guard, ban all Greer Mulvenas. And he grabbed you by the throat and threw you out. You're like, not me. He was like an AI. He couldn't differentiate. Thank you also to Pernilla Johansson. Pernilla Johansson, you know, an, another uh, culinary inventor such as myself, oh. who uh, thought that ice cream could be improved upon and uh, came up with the flavor of Pernilla. Oh. So it's a mashup of uh, vanilla and what? I'm not legally allowed to disclose the second half of the mixture. Whoa, that doesn't sound good. But I'll say this much. The vanilla is subtle. (laughs) 
It's mostly redacted. <laughs> it's mostly the redacted ingredient. But uh, Pernilla, I'm glad to have you here. It is technically food, and we need that at the commune. So welcome aboard. Thank you to Jamie Curry. Jamie Curry makes researcher Amy worried because Jamie is listening to every episode like a hawk. Whoa. Like a hawk. You know, most listeners just listen to an episode and go, ha ha ha, very funny. Jamie listens and goes, uh, wrong, Amy. This didn't happen in 1956. It actually happened in the winter of 1955. Right. Oh, she's so on it. Detail oriented. So, uh, you know, researcher Amy is sweating bullets writing these scripts. That's why in that situation, the words allegedly and reportedly go a long way. They cover our backs. You know, which is why we say allegedly at the start of almost every sentence. So, uh, checkmate, Jamie. Checkmate. Thank you to Stephen. Stephen will never stop believing. You know, he's got the faith. He's got it strong. Problem is, he's believing in everything. God, the devil. (laughs) He believes in everything. Scientology, Mormonism. Everything that can be believed in, he believes in it. The Tooth Fairy. He's covering all his bases. Santa Claus. Yeah, Yeah. it just means when he gets up there or down there, we don't know where (laughs) Steven's going, uh, he can say, hey, I always believed in you. (laughs) And that's technically not a lie. So it's a good system, Steven. And thank you, lastly but not leastly, to Tim McCool. Tim McCool is a real boring f***er. That's so you rude. would think by his, even if sorry, he was just, even if he by his, was by that's his last name like that is catfishing. Tim McCool, right? You think this guy's slicked back hair, tattoos, cigarettes, sunglasses? You're just saying a lot of. He actually now, is all but... those things, uh, but he's he, he's just into really uncool stuff. So he does have slick back hair yeah, and he tattoos looks insanely and... <laughs> rad, but he he's okay. only cares about Lego. That's still kind of cool. What kind of Lego? Star Wars Lego? Yeah, I'm just kind of jealous to be honest of the looks. Yeah, so it sounds like he's also pretty confident out. about his hobbies, which is a cool thing yeah, too. So well, sure, and like I like Lego too, but like I've hid that because I didn't think it was cool. So is that cool? Because I'll you hid it because you I'll, couldn't I'll, build I'll it. <laughs> You didn't hide it when you were building it, but then I saw you. You gave up. You smashed it. All right, shut up. You pushed all the pieces under the rug. All right, shut up then. (laughs) Shut up. All right. I think you're cool, Tim. I hate you, Tim. I think... (laughs) You're a real son of a (laughs) B-word. I'm going to slash your Lego Death Star. (laughs) I will, Tim. I'll do it. Invite me over. Uh, Thank you to Tim, and thank you to everyone who supports this podcast. We couldn't do it without you, honestly. And we're so excited to meet a whole bunch of you while we're traveling the world for our live shows coming up in October. Thank you for listening. And then, is it the end now? Can I go high again? You can go high. Thank you for for listening, everyone. And remember that we'll be back next Tuesday for a little episode of The Decide when you're ending. (laughs) Decide. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.